0: hello brothers and sisters and friends of community bible chapel this is our first video worship meeting recorded on saturday march the 21st we will need your patience and understanding while we learn to navigate a new temporary circumstance the lord has sent our way i'm going to give you a little update on some of the stuff that's been going on here at cbc and then an encouragement from our lord after that Tom will have the Sunday message. As you know from an earlier email or personal calls from the elders, we had an emergency meeting Thursday before our prior Sunday service was scheduled and made the decision to suspend through the end of March, our church sponsored meetings. Our belief was that given what we knew at the time, we were likely just in front of a wave of impacts on our community and our body. And it turned out that the very next day, we all started seeing our local state and national governments and public health agencies come out with much tighter restrictions and guidelines that we're all living under today. As part of seeking to be a blessing to our community, we're taking part in the large scale effort to mitigate the impacts of the coronavirus and help preserve the ability of our healthcare system and workers to care for those most in need It's about much more than just us and our desires. Think of it a bit more like the national rationing program we saw in World War II, something we are joining in for the common good. Many in the body already are meeting in smaller groups for worship and prayer and breaking of bread. We took communion at home last week, as did house churches all over the world, many because of persecution. It may be that one of the good effects of this season of difficulty for the church in the U.S. is the preparation and training of us all for a coming time of persecution in this country when we may not be able to meet by the hundreds. I encourage you to spend some time thinking about what good things God may be doing for his people during these difficult times. We're also getting some tools in place to help with video meetings, some of which are already being used by the elders, by the young adults, and soon by ministry groups and others. We'll follow up with more information and help soon in that area. There's a lot of ministry in the body and to those outside the body going on right now. I know of many instances of people shopping for and doing delivery for those who cannot get to the store help with financial needs, and many other acts of service taking place. We encourage you to continue in these good deeds and let them abound. Be wise in your consideration of the impacts on others besides yourself, but don't be fearful and simply retreat into a shell. Bob Deffenbaugh reminded me recently that we can learn things from our missionaries who operate in difficult places. They have both boldness in their ministries and are very much aware of the impacts on others, believers and unbelievers, of how they do their work. There will be many financial needs. We have already seen a lot of impacts to jobs and businesses in the church. Be disciplined in your giving and remember benevolence in this season. Consider 2 Corinthians 8. You can use the PushPay app or go to the giving link on our website. Be cheerful in your giving and trust the Lord who has always and forever been our provider. Now let me encourage you with a reminder that our God is sovereign and he reigns. He has given us a job to do to proclaim his name throughout the earth. I'm going to read to you from the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Starting in verse 18, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, my friends, the age has not ended and he is with us. He's left us instructions on what to do while we're here, and they haven't changed a bit just because we're facing the coronavirus. The world is afraid of many things, but for us, let us fear only God. His plan is not off the rails. It is proceeding right on schedule and right down the center of the tracks that he himself laid. He may give us a great testimony of faith that brings him much honor. Wouldn't that be great? Be confident in him. Don't be anxious or afraid. You will see him soon, and it's all worth it. I'm going to pray next. Then, if you have the bread and cup to take communion, you can pause our service and take it. If you're meeting with other folks and want to share scripture and prayers, It's a good time for that. When you're done, you can start this message back up and listen to Tom's sermon. I miss you all. I know you miss each other. And some of you might even miss me. But God willing, that won't be for much longer. Let's pray. Father, you're very good. We love you because you loved us first. You sent your son and he died for our sins and gave us life and life abundantly father even in these circumstances these circumstances we have that life abundantly father give us strength and faith and boldness that we might share that life with others and share the things the body has need of there'll be many needs father help us to be generous give us open hands give us courage give us confidence in you and in your provision not just today but tomorrow father You've always cared for us. You've always cared for your church. You've given men the strength to run the race all the way to the end. And that's what we want to do, Lord. We want to run the race, keep the faith. Father, no one will take away the crown of glory that you've laid up for us. So, Father, we look to you. We look to your son to provide for your people, to do the work you have for us in this earth and to finish that race. Thank you for these brothers and sisters that are with us. I pray, Father, that you would sustain us through these challenging days, giving much glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Pray with me as we get started. Loving
1: Father, we all woke up this morning in uncharted and storm-tossed waters. Uh, None of us has seen anything quite like this. And we're kind of figuring things out as we go. <laughs> but we know without without a doubt, dear Lord, that the, that the one we worship and serve is the one who created everything that we behold. We know that it is well with our souls for all of us who have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And nothing's going to change that. We know that you haven't moved and you haven't changed. We trust you. And Father, we ask that uh, this morning you would use our time together to bless and encourage your people and to equip us for the things that you would have us do. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Good morning. And it is a good morning. I'm going to ask you for some forbearance uh, with this first ever attempt on my part to uh, preach or teach exclusively online. (laughs) We're still working through some of the technical details of this approach, and uh, things aren't perfect, but hopefully God will will, uh, make this useful by his grace. I also want to say to you that you need to not be very comfortable with this approach, because this is not the future of Community Bible Chapel or of the rest of the church universal. Internet church won't cut it for the long haul. And we, as the elders of Community Bible Chapel, want you to to understand that we know that very well. So why are we doing this at all? Well, first let me point out that the elders' decision to temporarily cease all CBC-sponsored gatherings was not driven by fear. It was driven by love. Love for God and love for the people around us. The decision was driven by the earnest desire to be good ambassadors of our compassionate God in the midst of a a circumstance that nobody in our lifetimes has run into before. One of the most indispensable hallmarks of what the Bible calls true religion is for God's people to care in very practical ways for those who suffer the effects of the curse more profoundly than others, to care for widows, orphans, displaced foreigners, for the poor and for the sick, like Jesus did. (laughs) We would be terribly negligent as agents and image bearers of God if we carelessly contributed to the suffering or even the death of those who are older or weaker or in any way more Vulnerable to this virus than we are. The same would be true if our refusal to cooperate with the authorities that God has put over us uh, caused the healthcare system, the healthcare resources in our area to become pressed beyond their capacities, as has happened in other parts of the world, like Milan, Italy, and parts of Spain. Um, our course of action was driven by the desire to serve Christ well in a very, very unusual circumstance. And I'll say again, that decision was not driven by fear. But make no mistake, there are people all around us who are operating out of self-protective fear, and in some cases, self-protective panic. That's why 80% of the toilet paper in America is presently in the hands of about 20% of the population. (laughs) The passage that I want to draw your attention to this morning presents a way of thinking and acting that replaces panic with peace, with a peace that frees us up to act with unflinching purpose, no matter what's going on around us. Psalm 46 was written as a song to be recited or sung by the congregation of Israel when they gathered together to worship the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The psalm has three parts, each marked off by an instance of the word selah, a word that's often used in the psalms to indicate a rest, a pause, a transition between the stanzas of or verses of a psalm. I will read and then consider each of the three parts one at a time. The first part of the psalm is verses one through three. We will not fear because God is our refuge, our strength, and our ever-present help. Let me read those verses. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change And though the mountains should slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Selah. What are the kinds of things that that passage says that God's people will not fear? Listen as I read it again. God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains should slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, uh, swelling pride. The, uh, the things that we will not fear are earth shattering things, cataclysmic events on the earth. Notice that the passage says that God is our very present help, not from trouble, but in trouble. How is it that you and I learn and truly become convinced that our God is our ever-present help in trouble? Well, God puts us in trouble. <laughs> the very last words that Jesus spoke to His Beloved disciples, before he went to the cross to die in their place and in our place, are the words recorded in John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said to his disciples, These things I have spoken to you so that in me, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation, trouble, but take courage. I have overcome the world. He didn't say, take courage, you'll overcome the world. He said, in the world you have trouble, but take courage, I have overcome the world. And then he did. Around 3 p.m. the next day, he overcame the world. He paid in full the eternal penalty of our sin by dying on a cross in our place. And in doing so, he overwhelmed the very cause of the curse of death, which is our sin. He he gained the victory over sin and death. He was raised from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he sits now at the right hand of his father in the heavenly places far above all rule and all authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. That's in Ephesians chapter 1. This fearsome creator, our God, our Savior, is our refuge and our strength. He is our very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, no matter what comes. The second part of this psalm in verses 4 through 7 declares that we will not fear fear because he's with us. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. The city that the psalmist speaks of, the city of God, the dwelling place of God, will be our dwelling place forever for all who believe in the Lord Jesus. The psalmist says of that glorious place, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. Why will she not be moved? because God is in the midst of her. Creation cannot move the creator. When the nations roar, God will cause them to totter and fall. He will raise his voice and the earth will melt. If you want to know more about how that plays out, go look at 2 Peter chapter 3. He is the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of armies, the God of Jacob. He is our stronghold. Now, you might be thinking, the city of God, the dwelling place of the Most High God, that's in heaven. So how does knowing that his dwelling place is secure have anything to do with coronavirus or any other threat that I'm going to encounter here on earth? Well, brothers and sisters, the dwelling place of God on earth right now is his church. John 1 verse 14 tells us that when Jesus, the eternal word of God, came from heaven to earth the first time, he became flesh and he tabernacled. He pitched his tent among us and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. After Jesus died in our place and was raised from the dead, he ascended back to his rightful place of honor in heaven at the right hand of his father. But he didn't leave us as orphans. He sent his Holy Spirit to be in us and with us. And in John chapter 14, Jesus said that that, having, that he would send his spirit. And then he says that he and his father would make their abode, their dwelling place with us and in us. So right now, we are the city of God on earth until the heavenly city comes down, the new Jerusalem, and the curse is done away. We, the church of Jesus Christ, are the present presence of God on earth, and God is in the midst of us. He is in us, and he is with us, and the city of God will not be moved, no matter what. Jesus told Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Whatever happens to us in this world, we will not fear. Because the God of Jacob, the God of armies, is right here in our midst. Finally, we will not fear because we know who wins. Verses eight through 12 of this psalm. I'm sorry, verses eight through 11. The third and last stanza. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving. Know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. A day is soon coming when. Wars between people on earth will forever come to an end. Not not because good men will have triumphed over evil men, but because God will have subjected all men and all angels and all of creation (coughs) to Christ alone. (coughs) Wars in both... The earthly and angelic realms will end when, at the name of Jesus, every knee has been made to bow. Of those who are on earth, uh, are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue will be made to confess Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of the Father. Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11. Again, you might say, but... uh, What does ending wars on earth have to do with coronavirus? Well, that's just one manifestation of the victory that will be won by Christ uh, and has already been secured by Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that the last enemy that will be defeated is death itself. The curse of death was imposed by God on mankind and on the domain that that God put in the hands of mankind, his creation, because of our sin against him. And that curse of death takes on uh, many different manifestations or forms. Corruption, decay, mold, mildew, fire ants, bacteria, viruses. All of those things are outworkings of the curse of death. And the victory over all manifestations of death has already been won, actually, when Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead. And we who belong to Christ are already on the winning side of that victory. The sting of death has already been removed, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. And you know what that means for us? our response to covid-19 it means that there is not one thing about it that should cause us any fear at all not one thing the only one worthy of our fear is our creator verse 10 of this psalm is a command from god to you and me god says Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I think that the most fundamental of all realities for the redeemed children of God is that we are always and utterly dependent, dependent on God. That dependence does not mean that we sit like bumps on logs and wait for God to pick us up and make us do something. It means that we know that no idea from our minds, no word from our mouths, and no work of our hands is going to accomplish anything of value in God's creation unless God makes it useful. That's how human agency works according to God's design. The first two verses of Psalm 127 put this simple truth a lot better than I ever could. That psalm says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in sleep. Now, notice that that passage does not say that God is going to build houses without the agency of humans. It does not say that a battalion of soldiers at the front lines of a battle can all just go to sleep at the same time and expect God to wake them up when the enemy heads their way. It says we are supposed to build and to watch, and that unless God makes our building and our watching useful, it will all be in vain. God is doing all manner of eternally valuable things on earth, and he intends to use us as his people to do those things. Brothers and sisters, God has handed us an extraordinary opportunity in this present circumstance that the world calls a global crisis. Whatever your views may be about how the world has reacted to this pandemic, the fact is God has given his people an unprecedented opportunity. Doesn't mean there's never been another great opportunity like this. It just means this one's different. (laughs) And the question is, what are we going to do with it? In her book, uh, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, Rosaria Butterfield says that she and her husband regularly pray for crises to occur in their neighborhood. So that they can enter into those crises to serve their neighbors and have opportunity to speak of Christ as they adorn the gospel of Christ through their loving actions. And God has given them many answers to those prayers. Lots of crises. Now, I'm sure that the notion of praying for crises (laughs) sounds crazy or even unkind to many people. But to us who know God's eternally gracious purposes in temporary hardships, uh, that prayer makes perfect sense. And beloved, here's a crisis that is affecting every single person that you know and every single person that you don't know. And for some, it has become a matter of life and death. A couple of years ago, when a next door neighbor of ours told me that he had been crash cart resuscitated four times in a period of just a few weeks, that was a crisis that i knew god wanted me to enter into i prayed and then i spoke i asked him if if that situation had caused him to think about his eternal destiny that question turned into a couple of conversations one of which was a long conversation at his dinner table and at the end of those conversations god brought my neighbor Shelby, to faith in Jesus Christ. God did that. Less than two years later, I got to officiate at Shelby's memorial service here at CBC. I I look forward to seeing him in the presence of God. Another dear neighbor of ours who lives very close to us was carted off in an ambulance this Thursday night after a really rough week of increasing, increasingly worse resp- respiratory distress and relentless fever and really bad coughing. He had already been tested for COVID-19 days earlier, but he hadn't gotten the results. Well, he got the results while he was in the emergency room around 2 a.m. Friday, and the test was positive for COVID-19. Because of some contact that we had with family members of his earlier in the week who've been sharing a house with him, Debbie and I are both now under self-quarantine. So don't get too close to your display while you're watching the rest of this. (laughs) That dear dear neighbor texted me from the emergency room soon after he learned his diagnosis. And he asked me, He asked me to send them the words to a prayer for self-healing. Now, that was a crisis I knew God wanted me to enter into on his behalf. Debbie and I had already shared the gospel with that neighbor and with his wife very directly in many conversations over the last few years. So I figure he expected what he got back from me. (laughs) I told him I don't know any prayers for self-healing because there's no such thing. Instead, I sent him suggested words for a prayer in which he would confess his sin and acknowledge his desperate need for the forgiveness and eternal life that only Jesus gives and that he gives only on the basis of his perfect sacrifice in our place and his glorious resurrection. I told my neighbor that he must acknowledge that he deserves God's condemnation, just like all the rest of us, because of his trust in himself and because of his countless violations of God's holy character, just like the rest of us. I told him that he must put his trust in Jesus alone to save him and make him right with God. And based on all the previous conversations that I've had with him, I know very well that only God can make those words mean anything to my friend. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who build it? I found out uh, tonight that my neighbor is on a ventilator. Praying very earnestly. Debbie and I are praying very earnestly that uh, he will recover. And we're praying that he read and prayed that prayer. I also know that ever since God declared what we find on the first couple of pages of every Bible, God has chosen to use his people to do his work, his way, in his creation. And the greatest work that we do, brothers and sisters, is to tell lost people about Jesus as we live lives that put him on display. Romans 10 verses 13 to 15 speak of God's use of human agency, of his people in order to draw people to faith in Christ. It says, Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. That's human agency on God's terms. That's how God does most of what he does in the lives of human beings. He does those things through people, and he does the eternally valuable things in the lives of people through his people. And we who are his people are utterly, absolutely, continually dependent on him to make to make the things that we do as his agents useful to him in the lives of the people around us. I've asked this question before. What is it that dependent people have to do? They have to depend. And and the greatest expression of our utter dependence on God is diligent, fervent, constant prayer. We need to be praying. We need to be asking God for the spiritual sensitivity and for the creativity to look around us and and in the midst of of all the constraints that we're currently under, unable to to share physical proximity with people. May we be asking God to show us how we can continue and and in, in ways that we've never done before reach into the lives of the people around us and share Christ with them and reach into one another's lives and show the world how, how the people of God love each other. In in John chapter 17 in his high priestly prayer, Jesus uh Jesus prayed for his disciples and for all who would come to faith starting with his with the work that he would do through his disciples and 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 let me just read something from that passage because it's, it's extraordinary. It tells us how the world will know that the Father sent the Son. How the world will know that Jesus is the real deal. Jesus said to his Father, Sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Listen, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them even as you loved me. Twice in that prayer, Jesus makes it crystal clear. This is how the world will know that you sent me, by looking at my people, by beholding the unity that you, Father, will create between them and us. How we treat each other in the midst of this circumstance and any circumstance is of it, it is of eternally and miraculously great value in the hands of God. So, beloved, let's love each other really well. There are people in our body who really need help. There are people who who cannot and should not even go outside of their houses. There are people in assisted living centers who can't leave the place that they're living in right now, and their own families can't come and visit them. But praise God, we have some technologies available to us right now that still let us reach out. We don't have to wait for letters to be sent and and received. We can talk to people in real time, We can reach out to people, and we can love them well, and we can find out how to pray for them, and we can find out how to serve them. There's some dear young men and women in our body, part of our young adults, the Bible study group that have already started uh, taking groceries or supplies to people who uh, can't or shouldn't get out of their houses. Um... That's just one of many potential ways that, that we can serve one another. So let's be thoughtful. Let's, we're creative about all kinds of things in our lives. We tend to be more creative about the work that we do for a living than we are about how we love each other. So let's get creative. Let's, let's pray that God will, will shine through us in the midst of this, this darkness that surrounds us. This is an extraordinary opportunity that we've been given. May God use us. May he he use us profoundly and powerfully. We will not fear. Because God is our strength. God is our refuge. God is our ever-present help in time of trouble. We will not fear fear because God is with us and we will not fear because we know who wins and he put us on his side in Jesus Christ. May we cease striving and keep trusting the one who makes us useful as we strive to proclaim and adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a closing prayer, I just want to read a very, very familiar Psalm 23. It struck me this very evening as as being exceedingly relevant to all of us right now. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and covenant love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Dear Father, thank you for the beauty of your promises to your people. Father, make us useful as we trust you. Make us to fear only you. And we know, Father, that your perfect love casts out fear. We have come to know and have believed the one, the love that you have for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his precious and incomparable name that we pray. Amen.